I usually try to get into like that fine level of detail to see actually who is around the property and what is that income level and is it enough? Because again, with storage being such a local business, we want to make sure that the people in this three to five miles, very short drive time of a window are making enough money to support the need for self-storage. Welcome to School of Success, the podcast that will help you reach your goals and become the success story you've always dreamed of. Join us on our journey as we explore the strategies, tools, and tactics needed to build health, wealth, and personal development. Together, we'll uncover the secrets to living life to its fullest with host Brandon Hicks. So let's get started and make your dreams come true. Welcome back to another episode of School of Success. Today, we're going to talk about analyzing a self-storage market and some of the key characteristics or market demographics that you want to be looking at to determine if this is a good market for you to invest in. It's really important to do this because a lot of the market characteristics, if not all of them, are outside of your control as opposed to within the facility where there's a lot of things that are within your control, advertising, payroll, signage, customer experience. A lot of those things are completely within your control. And so if you're struggling on occupancy, you can potentially raise your advertising budget, or maybe people are not renting there because you have poor customer service. And that's something that you can work on, right? Those are all within your control. But as far as the market goes, a lot of these things are not within your control. It's very important to make sure that the location that you're buying the facility in is a strong market. So the first two things I'm looking at are both population and population growth. Now, for me, I'm looking for about 30,000 people in a three mile radius, but you can be successful with either a higher density or a lower density, lower density being in rural areas. The next thing that's really important is the population growth. In general, in real estate investing, you want to avoid markets that are declining from a population perspective. If you're going to hold this property for three, five, sometimes 10 years, you want to be seeing that this is an area that people want to move to. It's got a trend of growth or at least is stable. I've looked at a lot of properties recently that we've had to pass on where the population was starting to decline. Now there still might've been enough people there to support storage and for me to be successful, but I'm now fighting against the market and it's continuing to decline. It's certainly not in the direction that you want to see it. Again, you might be able to be successful, but now the market is not working in your favor and you want everything working in your favor that you can when you're investing. Second one is median household income. And that is really important to know because you want to make sure that the population around your facility has enough disposable income to support buying excess goods that need to be stored or to buy boats, trailers, RVs, things that they can't store at their property. And so what I'll end up doing is digging into either the census data or there's a great resource called justicemap.org and you can get like a heat map where it shows you the income and it puts a color on the map so you can see red to blue how the income is changing. And what I'm really looking for is to see that in a three to five mile radius that the income is at least the same as the MS or greater than the MSA. I really don't want to see this big chunk of red around the property, which is indicating in the thirty dollars to $40,000 range of median household income, because that's going to tell me that a lot of my potential customer base maybe doesn't have enough income to support actually needing self-storage. So I usually try to get into like that fine level of detail to see actually who is around the property and what is that income level and is it enough? Because again, with storage being such a 
local business, we want to make sure that the people in this three to five miles, very short drive time of a window are making enough money to support the need for self-storage. Another metric that's used and I think is becoming more thought of as like a information only is square foot per capita. That is the total rentable square feet in a given radius divided by the number of people in that radius. And you'll get something like eight square foot per capita. That means eight square feet per person of self-storage. So for every person in this region, there's eight square feet of self-storage available. And that's a metric about the supply in the area. But what it's not showing you is the demand. So people will say, okay, well, the national average for self-storage is between seven and eight. And so if I'm lower than that, that probably means that there's not enough supply in that area. And that was something that I've been hearing people use for a while, but now we're starting to realize that there are some markets where they're well above the national average, but they're 100% full. And that's because, again, each market has certain needs. Maybe this market doesn't have basements because they live by the ocean and hurricanes and flooding. They're not built with basements. And so maybe they have less places to store stuff. And that means that there's more of a demand in that area for storage versus parts of the country that do have basements. So there's all these unique factors that can determine how much storage a certain market needs. So I will look at that number just to see where it's at. But really the true tell for me is secret shopping. So I'll call all of the facilities facilities in that market and try to get a feel for how busy or not busy they are. And that conversation is pretty basic. It's just, hey, I'm looking to rent a 10 by 10. Do you have anything available? And you'll hear something like, yep, no problem. We've got a bunch of them available. You could then maybe say like, I'm not so sure if I actually need something that's that big. What about like a five by 10? And you're just starting to see the responses. Sometimes you'll hear, like when I did this for the facility that I wholesaled last year, I called around and was asking for units that were the average unit size at the facility that I had under contract. And those were five by tens. So I was calling around and asking for those and everyone was saying, nah, there's a wait list. We're probably not going to be able to get you anything for at least a month or two. So that was telling me that this unit size was in very high demand, which was great for me because that was my average unit size. Another metric that's really important to know is the traffic. And that would be the traffic that is going by your facility. You can usually look this up on like the Department of Transportation website, or you'll see the term AADT. I think it stands for average daily traffic. So you're looking to see how many cars are driving by your facility on a daily basis. And this is really important to know because as you are working on your pro forma and trying to estimate what you are going to spend in a given year, if there is more traffic, you might not need to advertise as much because you're getting the free traffic as the cars are driving by every day. But if you're kind of tucked down a side street at the end of a side street and there's really not much traffic, you might need to plan for more advertising so that customers can be aware that your facility is actually in this area. So that's another very important metric to look up and very quick one to look up as well. Now you can start looking at rent comps. So rent comps would just be looking at all the facilities in your area. So you know what your unit mix is, right? So you've got a certain number of five by fives, five by tens, 10 by tens. You can list those out on a Google sheet or Excel sheet. And then you can go look at all of the facilities in your area. And a lot of times they're going to have their own website and they'll have their units actually listed out for the exact price. And you can just start collecting that information from each of the facilities to determine determine what the average rate is in your market. And you can see where your facility that you're looking at purchasing, see where that compares to the market. And for us as a value add investor, we want to be trying to find all the ways that we can add value to a facility. And one of those ways is with when an owner has not raised rents in a long time. So I'm looking to see that there's a 25% rent bumps 
possible, right? So that would mean, let's say that rents are currently a dollar per square foot at my facility, but the market's a dollar 25 a square foot. Now I know that I've got about 25% of upside. Maybe I won't assume that I get quite to market. It really depends. You know, if this is a true value add facility, it might not be as nice. We might not be able to deliver as great of a customer experience as some of the other facilities in the market. So I'm always looking to see how does the quality of the facility that I'm looking at compare to the quality of the competition and how close could I reasonably assume that I can push rents up to market. And in the process of looking at these rent comps, you're going to be, of course, seeing the competition and you can see what is the quality of their website, how modern is it or not modern. A lot of times there might be some mom and pops still in your local market and they might have a super outdated website. They might not have the ability for you to actually go and rent a unit online. And you can compare that with the operation that you intend to run and again, see how that compares. Say, okay, I know that I'm going to have a brand new website with strong marketing presence. The customers are going to be able to rent straight from the website. So this is much better experience than the other competition in the market. And that might justify you in charging more for your facility. A few other key characteristics are just the unemployment in your market. We look a lot at this in the multifamily space as well, but you just, again, want to be looking at how strong the employment is because of course, as people get laid off or they lose their jobs, might tighten up on their budgets and they might not spend as much money. They might have to sell things like those boats and those RVs to to be able to make their rent payments or their mortgage payments or food, whatever the necessities are. And so that might reduce the demand for self-storage in that area. So looking at the unemployment in your MSA in your local area is very important. And similarly, looking at the job industry and employment industry, that's very important as well. We talk a lot about not wanting to be invested in what we'd call a one-horse town. So that might be if the only industry in this area is a military base, if that military base was to shut down and all the families and workers move away from there because there's really nothing else there. Now, all of a sudden, your base completely dries up and you're left with a really poor demand in your area and your facility is not going to perform well. So one thing that I'll look at and a resource you could use is datausa.io. You search in the city and state that you're interested in, you can go see a breakdown of the job industry. It'll show you things like 15% is healthcare, 20% is retail, 10% is tech. It'll break it down into all these different industries and it'll put it on kind of like a heat map that'll show you the breakdown of the jobs in that market. And you can see how diverse and recession resistant those jobs might be. So those are the primary market demographics that I'm looking at. And I figured it'd be helpful to just share some of the resources that I use. So censusreporter.org is one of the websites that I'll look at to see the local income and population. It breaks it down by census tracts. That's like a really small section around your facility. So you can really get very detailed into the exact incomes and populations right around your facility. I mentioned justicemap.org. That's a great one for seeing visually with the different colors of how income is changing around your facility. That's a great one to look at as well. And then really for population, population growth, it's as simple as just searching it on Google. You'll get a nice chart that shows how the population has changed over about the last decade. And again, that's really important because there are some places I'm seeing where population is declining consistently for the last decade or so. Even though the population might be high enough to support the local market, the question for me, and I think for a lot of investors should be, if I'm going to hold this for five years,
years? Is this trend going to continue? And is this a headwind that I'm going to always be facing? And is that something I really want to deal with when I could go probably find some markets around Tennessee, Florida, or Texas, where we know population is really growing. And now you can be kind of in that path of progress and you've got the market working for you. So one thing that I've done that's really helped is I've just made a list of all of these and I've included this in my underwriting file. So I've actually got a market tab where I list out all of the information that I'm looking for, the websites that I use to find it. And then I have just an open cell in there so that I can copy in either a screenshot of the graphs or pull in the exact data so that I can put it all into one location. And then every time we go through a property, I don't have to remember what characteristics to be looking for. I can just go through there and actually my analyst does this, will pull in all the data from the internet so then I can look at it at the end. I would also recommend looking at these characteristics first before doing your full underwriting. I've done this a few times where I get excited and I will just go straight into underwriting a deal and I might spend two to three hours analyzing the property and then I go do a quick check and find out that the population is declining. And I could have just from the beginning checked that it takes less than a minute and I could have said, you know what, this is probably not worth spending my time on. So I would definitely recommend doing those first because those are some really quick checks that you can do. And again, you can't change the market. It is what it is. So if you see up front that it's really not going to be working in your favor, you can move on more quickly and spend less time on that and go to the next one. Hey, I appreciate you listening to another episode of School of Success. I'm committed to helping others reach their full potential. So if you found value, please leave a five-star rating and review. With that, we can reach more people and help make their dreams come true. 